When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Dave Hendon. I'm in Birmingham. Mullen is in Cork. Hello, Michael. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, well, <laughs> good question, isn't it? Um, we're doing this. First thing to say is we're doing this via Skype, so. Uh, the audio quality may not be um, pristine, but then again, I think listeners to this podcast are probably used to that by now. Um, we decided to try and get together, I guess, every week while while the coronavirus uh, crisis is still going on. Of course, we know that all sport has stopped, not just snooker. Today, it was announced that the World Championship has been postponed. It won't take place in its usual slot. They're hoping it's going to take place later in the year. So everything's just stopped, isn't it? Um, so in terms of how we're doing, well, we're, we're just having to adjust to it, I guess, like everybody else. Yeah. It's funny, I was just thinking about how when it was announced that the bank holiday in the UK had been put back to the 8th of May, yeah. that meant that the World Championship final on the 4th of May was going to be on a regular Monday. Mm. sort of up arms a bit about that, but it just seems like small beer now in comparison to the situation we do find ourselves in. No World Championship. It just would have been unthinkable even a month ago that it could possibly come to this. And we were talking just a, a few weeks ago in Leicester, and even then it seemed the worst case scenario was that it would end up being played behind closed doors, and that didn't even seem very likely. And I think this, we have to preface everything by saying, obviously it's a long way down the priority list, but this just really highlights how quickly all these situations have changed and how the previously unthinkable has become the normal in the space of a week or two. Definitely. I mean, you know, obviously there's far more important things than, than snooker going on in the world, but this but this is a snooker podcast. Um, and I think our idea is to just try and sort of jolly people up a little bit um, over the weeks. We just, just sort of our usual sort of chat um, about various things. This first one will be just looking at some of the implications of, for all of this. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, when that bank holiday went, you know, people were sort of, as, as you say, you know, not happy, but you'd take anything right now, wouldn't you? It's, it's, I think it'll probably hit home more actually in April itself when that first Saturday, you know, when everyone's so excited to see Judd Trump as it would be this year walking out. And, and in fact, no one's walking out. Well, Snooker Tour have said, of course, that they're hoping to reschedule. I think what 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 was sort of being proved today is that the World Championship is still a major, major sporting event because the Crucible are also very keen, very keen to have it on. Of course, the Crucible is not a sporting venue, it's a theatre. And they have productions booked up um, for the next couple of years. But... I understand that they can be reasonably flexible. They want the snooker. It's worth so much money, not just to them, but to Sheffield. You know, it brings in millions of pounds in, in the hotels and the restaurants and the bars. Um, and, of course, for, for World Snooker Tour, as we must call them, um, in terms of ticket sales, you know, they want it on because they don't want to have to refund what would be basically a couple of million pounds worth of, worth of tickets. Let's look at the timeline, though, for this, of course, because originally the coronavirus, obviously, was first of all in China. The China Open got got called off. Um, I think we we kind of maybe were a bit naive in this in this part of the world in terms of how the virus would spread and what what would happen. I mean, I did a podcast literally last week, sort of early last week before Gibraltar, um, talking about the fact that the Tour Championship and the World Championship, as it stood then, were on. Of course, Gibraltar went ahead initially with 100 spectators, and then on the first day, the Gibraltar government um, sort of changed changed their guidelines. 
so no one was allowed in. I still think actually that event went quite well. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better final, crowd or not. And I think it, yeah, see that in years to come, and they'll see this uh, historic final as it was, because of course it was Judd Trump winning his sixth ranking title of the season, which had never been done before. And mm. people might be watching that twenty or thirty years from now, and this moment of snooker history, and thinking, "Wow, there's nobody there. Snooker must have been really unpopular at that time." Certainly, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, some people might try to portray it. But you're absolutely right. I don't think anyone really cottoned on to probably around about this time last week. And I suppose those of us in the sporting world and the sporting media were really, uh, you know, jolted by the wave this day last week of all those major sporting events being postponed or called mm. off or whatever. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, this isn't an entirely new thing. It was around about Christmas time and just into the new year that we first heard about this virus. But you can understand people maybe not grasping the enormity of it because we've had a lot of these stories in the last 15 years or so there was SARS there was bird flu they were huge huge stories but they didn't quite affect things in this part of the world really anything like as much as they did anywhere else and certainly nowhere near as much as this has so you can understand perhaps why people were a bit slow to catch up with it and I think what you're saying about the crucible there absolutely it, it will be the priority to get the snooker on and I think no matter what productions they've got on even if it's one of your plays Dave something as prestigious as that <laughs> I think it will have to be moved for it and well, listen yeah. who, who would want the job of explaining to Chris Downer that his crucible almanac would have to be full of those little asterisks explaining that there was one year that it was played somewhere else <laughs> Absolutely, I should say a lot. A lot of my players plays feel like they've been played behind closed doors. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's another matter. Of course, I mean, I was in Clandidno uh, just this week. We, we, as far as we were aware, it was on on the Monday though, uh, which was the night before it began. That's when all the government advice changed, and suddenly they were talking about social distancing and and, and stay at home and all that, and don't go to large gatherings. Um, it was announced. Will Snooker Tour said, okay, well the audience has to go, but. It was still up in the air because there was still would have been around about 100 people working on it. Obviously, the players, the officials, the ITV production team, all the all the crew backstage, security, the venue staff. There would have been quite a few people working in very uh, close proximity to each other. And like you said, on, on that Friday, when all the events got cancelled, it was like a domino effect. And it would have looked it would have looked bad, I think, for snooker to continue. Obviously, we all wanted the tournament to go on, but it wouldn't have looked great if we were the only literally the only sport going on. Um, and there were safety um, considerations for everyone working there as well. So I think it was inevitable then on, on Tuesday morning that that it got postponed. It's it's encouraging that, that new dates have been sort of put forward, but we just don't know, obviously, if that would be viable or not. We literally have no idea at the moment um, if those tournaments will, will take place. It's entirely possible, you know, the World Championship just won't happen this year. Yeah. I, mean, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I think people have to prepare themselves for that. Well, there's only so far you can push things back as well. I mean, now, snooker obviously is flexible because you can play at any time of the year. I mean, other things like Wimbledon, for example, that's due to finish on the 12th of July. There's only so much room you have to work with there because you can hardly play Wimbledon in September or October or whatever. And also with the World Championship, if it is to be rescheduled for later in the year, there's only really so late you can go before getting too close to when the 2021 Championship would be played. So if you had it in December or whatever, then I think you end up taking away from two events because obviously it would feel so strange playing at that time of year. And then to have the World Championship again only four months later, I think that would be a very strange thing as well. But, you know, you're looking at you had the Premier League meeting yesterday saying we're suspending till the end of April and saying we're going to get all the club seasons finished by the 30th of June. I, I just think it's completely futile because it's an entirely unprecedented situation that nobody has the slightest idea 
when it's going to change. And I think also people are falling into this notion of, you know, you're going to turn on Sky News someday and there'll be, you know, a yellow strap line saying COVID-19 crisis over. And then everything picks up again the next day. It's not going to be like that for two reasons. One, because obviously if and when it ends, and obviously we're all praying for that day, it's only going to happen in stages. And also things take time to organize. Now, something like the Olympics, late July, early August, that's obviously the biggest organizational uh, sporting event in the world so you can't reschedule that at short notice snooker does i suppose have the advantage that the amount of planning that goes into it and the logistics nowhere near as big as something like that but you would still need probably a month or so and of course you've got to remember unless you're going to say right just for one off the world championship is only going to be the top 32 players you would still have to have the qualifying rounds as well so it's very very difficult to uh, to just get something like that on at short notice and you've got to get other things involved as you mentioned the crucible but also television companies as well and they have to go into the schedules and as you were raising actually when we were talking about this last night if the olympics did end up being called off from that july august date well then you've got loads and loads of ready made hours on the bbc uh, to put it in there yeah, and, and and as you kind of said as well, the one advantage we have is we're an indoor sport. So theoretically, you could play any time. Um, but but you're right, you, you can't wait too long because of course the new season has to start at some point. You can't have you can't have the world championship from this season running into next season. It's a logistical nightmare, obviously, for everyone at World Snooker Tour. You know, they had a sort of a provisional calendar set up for next season. At the moment, they don't know which dates they can honour. Obviously, there's question marks over going to China, question marks going anywhere. Um, I think from reading between the lines, their priority, though, is to play this World Championship because obviously it's the, it's the Blue Ribbon event, it's the flagship event. They want to play the World Championship. They don't want to play it behind closed doors. So it's a question at the moment of waiting it out. I think, you know, it would be very unlikely the Olympics will go ahead. So like you say, that will, that will free up some time. It would be very odd to be in Sheffield in the summer, but who cares as long as, long as we're there. But... Uh, no, but at least there are plans in place. And also from the press release, it's clear they are also thinking of looking at putting other events on somehow behind closed doors. Again, it's a question of, you know, how many people can gather together safely without it looking sort of reckless. But, but the thing about that is, I don't understand that thinking, because if you were going to be putting on events behind closed doors and that was regarded as a viable prospect, well, you know, why didn't they do it and did know this week? I mean, this situation is only going to get worse over the next while. And I think if it wasn't viable this week, it's not likely to be viable anytime soon. And I mean, even if you're well, doing a, yeah. just, you know, a couple of players and I mean, you think of the Championship League, an event we're obviously very familiar with because mm. we both work on it. You can have two players there and a referee uh, and you don't even actually need cameras in the in the arena because, you know, they can be controlled remotely these days. But even that, as you say, I still think that would look bad. And I don't really see that as being viable. Now, maybe they've got some plan up their sleeve. Maybe the situation will change. I mean, there's only so long that all these restrictions can be in place anyway. You can't stop the world for months on end mm. without enormous consequences. And I think it's going to get to the stage. No, that's right. I think, yeah. But even even allowing for all that, I, I don't really see how you can go ahead and play behind closed doors uh, sometime in the future if it was decided that it couldn't be done this week. Well, I think the, the difference, though, is this week we went there to do a normal television production. It could have been, and it's easy to say this now, I'm not saying this should have happened, but it could have been, they could have maybe, have before we got there, said, okay, maybe we can do this remotely. For example, the commentators and the presenters could have done that from somewhere else. Um, 
there might have been a way, of, like you say, of doing remote cameras, like they do on the Championship League. So actually, because it was such short notice, you couldn't you couldn't necessarily change that. But you could configure an event where you don't need anywhere near as many people. Like I say, there are about a hundred people in Clendenno. You don't need that many people. Championship League is about twenty people, if that. Um, Probably not even so, that. Yeah. So it could be that I'm not, I don't know because I'm not part of the discussions, but it could be that you could get like an eight man event on um, somewhere where you would only have sort of 15 people involved, then suddenly it doesn't seem so so reckless. And I think, you, you know, you're right. Life can't just stop forever. People need some sort of stimulation. You know, all the cinemas and theatres have shut, pop concerts are called off, sporting events are off. You know, people need entertainment. There's only so much Netflix you can watch. Um, I, I, I'm proving this this week, actually. Um, and, and, and so I guess it's a question of if things do start to you know, improve when we go past the, the peak period of the virus, at what point is it safe to come back in some way? And it may be that that's the way to do it in some small event, just so there's something happening. Yeah. And these are all valid questions, but as I say, and as I'm sure you agree, that there's just no way of answering them at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we're being told now that it could take three months for things to uh, be over the worst, as it were, but then other people are saying that it may rumble on. And indeed, there's the possibility that we may feel it's gone and it may come back next winter because mm. all the talk about a vaccine and that. And I think it's it, it's dangerous. A lot of people in the sporting world are straining <laughs> now to talk about things they really don't understand. So so let's not join join that. But w- what we are all aware of, it's pretty clear at the moment, it's a, it's a very uncertain situation and there's no end date in sight. And until then, it, it really is all just uh, speculation as, as to where it goes. But I, I do think, as you say, the World Championship is the priority. It has to be the priority. And, and I don't see it running into next season because I think whenever it's viable to play again, the first thing that happens will be the World Championship. And then, even if it's the very next day, that will probably be when, when the following season begins. So I don't really yeah. see that as an issue. I think it may be more a case that we may have a very, very shortened season next time around. There is an argument, I guess, a way of sort of alleviating this is to change the format of the World Championship and make it over a week, make it shorter matches. I mean, personally, I'd be against that because apart from anything else, whoever whoever wins it, forever people will say, well, it doesn't count Tony O'Sullivan or say it was someone coming through the pack, Jimmy Robertson or someone, whoever won it, people will just point the finger and say, well, that's not the same as all the others because it wouldn't be. It would be a bit like Liverpool being awarded the Premier League without actually finishing it off. That that would be that would be forever, uh, yeah. as I say, having a little star next to it in the record books. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there'll be any point in that. I think, honestly, I would rather see no World Championship at all than see that because it wouldn't feel like the World Championship. Be, you know, strange enough anyway, playing it at a different time of year. But if you didn't have those long matches in that same format, it, it wouldn't feel the same and it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, and of course... Yeah, absolutely. And of course, um, there's a bit of audio break. Hopefully people are, are understanding this is like these. I feel like um, you see pictures from the Second World War of like the BBC uh, radio newsreaders and they, they're sitting there in their um, dinner jackets, even though they're not actually, you know, on, on camera. Whereas whereas actually I haven't shaved for four days. But anyway, um, maybe too much. Well, we always do these podcasts in their dinner jackets as well. You know, I told you that would be a good policy in the long run. Yeah, it's 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 paid off. The other thing, of course, is there's all sorts of things to think about that no one has sort of had to think about before. For example, Q schedule till the season's over because obviously people get relegated and they go and play on it. Um, but is the time to sort of turn that round? Maybe maybe there's a case for just not relegating anyone this season but then people are coming on already. So you have an expanded tour. These are all things I'm sure that people are, are thinking about the problem we all got. And certainly 
the governing body has. We just don't know the time frame. If someone said to you, okay, there's no snooker till July, but then we're definitely starting again, you could actually plan something. But we can get to July and it could all be the same. It could be worse. We just don't know. And that's why, that's why you know, I think, I mean, I, I, listen, I've criticised the governing body over the years, but I think they should be cut some slack because what they're supposed to do, you know, it's very, very changing all the time. They're trying to look after the players because people are earning no money at the moment. And also all their staff were also, um, of course, it's basically all owned by Matchroom. You know, they've got so many events they do all, all year round that have all stopped. So they're looking at their finances as well. And, you know, they're having to sort of um, react to that. Very difficult, I think. And I, no one really has the answers to any of it. And for the lower ranked players, the consequences are enormous because you, you look, these are the two biggest earning opportunities of the season now, the World Championship and the China Open, the last two tournaments of the season. And they've both been taken away. Now, it doesn't matter so much to someone like Judd Trump, who's won almost a million pounds this season already. But, you know, you consider you win your first match in World Championship qualifying. What is that? I think it was £9,000 last year. So yeah. I mean, that's absolutely enormous for a player down the rankings. And some of these guys are really going to be struggling now. And that's another reason that the World Championship are getting that on should be the priority, just to give them the opportunity to uh, to make up for that. And just thinking of Jordan, I mean, we were talking about he was going to pass a million pounds for the season, even if he lost his first match in the Tour Championship. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was on 97 centuries for the season. You have to think if the season had been finished, it's long odds on that he would have broken Neil Robertson's record of 103. Yeah. And, of course, he's got the record for most ranking titles in the season. But he could very easily have stretched that to seven or eight. And it seems now he may very well not get the opportunity to do that. So all of these statistics, it's, it's so far down, of course, the list of important things. But we mm. have said we are talking here in this new context. All mm. of those things are uh, put into suspension as well. Yeah, I, I saw... Um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I saw Mark Allen on Monday, just as I was walking back to the hotel... And he was asking about, I was with Phil Yates and he was asking about, you know, obviously we're losing our work. And he was talking about all the different people like the MC, Phil Seymour, all the players, officials who basically will not be earning any money for the foreseeable future. And of course it is an industry like all sports. Yes, it's a game, of course, but the game, um, you know, brings into life a whole industry full of, you know, a lot of people, hundreds of people, maybe thousands who are reliant on it for their income. Um, And that's the same in every sport. Um, but it's there are certain times, there are worrying times, I think. And um, like I say, we don't have the answers. All we all we have is hope that you know things will turn around. I think it is good though that the World Championship is still you know being talked about because they could have just said, look, we're not having it. That's it, cancelled. Forget about it. I think the BBC will want it if the Olympics go. Like you say, they've sort of they've got three two and a half three weeks there where they had basically all the schedules worked for that so there will be time potentially to show this i guess the problem is when say sports do start coming back suddenly there's a log jam of events all these events that have been postponed are going to be all on at the same time pretty much and therefore yeah. it's, going to, it's going to be like a fight for airtime and i think people maybe need to get used to that as well it may be that you know we're going to be sharing a lot of airtime with a lot of these other events i mean eurosport obviously show all, all sorts of different events as well um but again you know nothing can be done about that you look at the tennis situation, you've got the French Open now. They've already moved to late September into October. That's just after the scheduled date for the US Open. Now, I mentioned Wimbledon as well. I mean, that doesn't leave them with uh, much room for manoeuvre. But even if, say, Wimbledon had to be postponed by about three weeks or so, if you know we were lucky enough to be in a position that was viable, you could end up with three the three remaining Grand Slam tennis tournaments 
of this year being played effectively one after the other. You look at the golf majors, they'll obviously be prioritised. I think the Ryder Cup could very well end up being uh, dropped from this year. Uh, that mm. may well have to go by the wayside. And then, of course, there'll be potentially the climax of, of the football season, all these uh, remaining qualifiers that have to be played for the European Championship, the conclusion of the Champions League and the Europa League, and, of course, the domestic leagues as well. So it could be an absolutely packed time. But yet again, we have to say we just don't know when that might uh, potentially be. I, I, I watched a bit yesterday of uh, Sky Sports News just out of curiosity. I thought, what on earth are they talking about? Now, you, uh, to be fair, to be fair, at the best of times, you, you wonder about that. But at least when they are sort of hyping up the, the weekend football match, at least there's a football match to hype up. Um, uh, it's kind of pretty grim over there as well. Um, I mean, all these sports channels, I think, I think they're actually saying you can freeze your subscription now until until it all returns. But you know, there's no live sport. Um, I think. You know, it's that old thing. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. You know, we sort of mm. taken this all taken this all for granted, haven't we, for years? You know, and and you know, I'll be honest. There's, there's days I've well, well, not another day of snooker, but now you know, I, I'd, I'd love to be have another day of snooker right now. It's um, it's quite sobering, I think. And uh, when it does all return, hopefully we'll all maybe think about that a little yeah. bit because yeah. because you know we've all got involved in arguments over the years about various things that right now just do not matter at all. I think I think we will feel like that. Certainly for a while, anyway. I'm certainly of the view, as someone who's worked in a number of sports over the years, I feel there's almost too much of everything in certain yeah. sports. And I know there are some sports like yeah. golf and tennis. I think there are just just too many tournaments. But now, as you say, you know, we'll appreciate it. We'll savour it more. All of these things when they do come back. And you're absolutely right about Sky Sports News. I think they've done okay in the circumstances to keep it going. Like I turned it on yesterday and I saw Danny Mills and John Hartson talking about their favourite kits of the past. So uh, that's, uh, that's what it's come down to now. But yeah. I, I wonder how long they'll be able to keep those things going. Of course, the one man who uh, will be delighted with the Sky Sports lineup at the moment is Phil Yates, because those chronicles of a champion golfer programs that he's worked on, they're being repeated around the clock now at the mm. moment because they're ideal filler for the schedule. Yeah, he'd, he'd be more light fees i think which, which i'm sure he's not getting um well the plan for this podcast is we hopefully will do maybe one a week and just you know talk about whatever and we'd like um feedback from the listeners now next week is actually the 100th episode i had a whole thing planned with a with a very well-known multi-world champion which obviously now is not going to happen but instead what we're going to do is talk it's going to be a world cha- a celebration of the world championship it's not going to be happening yet hopefully it will later in the year but we're going to talk about our memories of the World Championship, and we'd like very much because, um, of course, the World Championship, in particular, more than any other event at the Crucible, it is about the the atmosphere that's created by the audience. Not least because it's the only major sporting event I can think of where you actually know the names of members of the audience. You know, they they sit in the same seats every week. You know, there's literally a guy who they call front row Chris. You know, he sits in the front row. There's obviously Brian in his Coventry shirt. There's John. Chris Downer, who you already mentioned, and, and Kelly, you know, all these loyal snooker fans. It's, a, it's an annual pilgrimage for them to the World Championship. And we'd like to hear from from anyone who's been to the Crucible or even just watched it on the television. What are your memories? And I've set up a little email address where you can contact us and I'll, I'll read out the best stories and, and memories that we have. So the email address is snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. That's snookerscenepodcast at mail.com that address will also be embedded into wherever you get the the podcast so let us know you know if you've been going for years you've been once maybe you've never been but you want to go maybe you were going this year for the first time and at the moment it's on hold let us know your memories of the world championship 
and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll delve through them because uh, we want to continue to celebrate the game, even though it's at the moment yeah. come to a stop. Um, there's nothing, you know, obviously there's YouTube matches, but there's nothing live going on. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort of talk nonsense as, as, until it all returns. And then when it does return, I guess we'll continue talking nonsense. We've been doing it for the last 20, 20 years or more. Front, front row, Chris, actually, I think he's a driving mm. instructor. And Nick Johnson, who's from quite near uh, the Crucible, mm. And worked at the championship for many years. Yeah. I think he was reporting on it for Reuters. People might know him from the television, actually. I think he actually taught Nick, front row Chris, taught Nick how to drive. Which just are. shows how connected the snooker community is. See? Nick, in turn, who I think is distantly related to the Davis brothers, Joe and Fred. So uh, it's, it's, I didn't quite, know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he is somewhere, somewhere quite distantly in the past. So uh, it's a very close-knit world, snooker, which is... Uh, Something we'll try to hold together over the next few weeks with uh, with our podcast, just to fill the void in some very small way. As Daniel Bedingfield said, we've got to get through this. There's a, there's a contemporary reference. So um, on that bombshell, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. And again, as I say, the, there might be a few little audio issues. Hopefully you'll get used to listening to it like this. And by the way, if any, if any snooker players or anyone else involved in the sport – He's out there and wants to come on, then uh, then then let's do it um, because we've got to do something you know, over the next few months. Um, so Michael, take care in Cork, and we will speak Thank soon. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.